1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
2: Man. Yeah, man.
0: Sucks. Um, Yeah, like. Yeah. I'm gonna take a second for a second if you don't mind. No, I have a great deal of respect for that guy, you know.
1: Damn. Crazy. a very raw and real moment from time to time, but when I watched that video of Roaklyn Smith reacting in real time to finding out that Robert Quinn, his teammate, has been traded to the Eagles from the media during a press conference, I, I know there's a lot of moving parts in a football season on a football team Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Just like uh, there, there's a rhythm. There's There's a lot of stuff happening. They got a lot of crap going on. But, boy, I'd like to think that there's a way to make sure that Roquin Smith knows about the trade before he even goes out there.
2: Yeah, I know. know.
1: Maybe it was just dumb luck that it happened the way it did. Yeah, right. We're fascinated by moments like that because they're so rare, but as I see them, I think, you know, if we are going – to mean what we say about the mental health of athletes and anyone and everyone. Like, why do we want to have moments like that captured for the world to see? So it, it was real. It was raw, but I can't help but think in some way it's, it's avoidable for Roquan Smith to find out there that Robert Quinn has been traded, but that is the headline. Yeah. Robert Quinn, right. Traded abruptly and out of the blue to the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday afternoon for a fourth round pick. Plus I saw a report that the bears are picking up like, Seven million dollars of what he's left to make this year as part of this trade.
2: Yeah, well, it, it's it's um, one. I mean, it, it's the human aspect, you know. And and you know, hopefully that type of stuff helps people with mental health. You know, they they see that hey, there's a big tough macho guy that's you know got millions of dollars and he's okay getting emotional in front of people or sharing his feelings. You know, that that's where. And and you know, Mikey, yeah, it's, it's not always easy to. Who knows? That trade was probably went down right there to where they couldn't even get it down there in time to tell him or, or you know, let it know that it had become official. So that does happen. It's, un- it's unfortunate. It shows you the bond that goes in an in you know, NFL locker room. That is the – you know when you get cut from a football team, yeah, you're disappointed for yourself. But the thing that I found myself emotional about both times I got cut from a football team was just that, damn, I'm I'm not going to see some of those guys again or for a long time, and I've been seeing them every day for an extended period of time. And when then when it's a you're a young player and you play under a you know what they would call in the the locker room an old head right? He's an old head, hey, one of the old heads, and one of the old heads and Robert Quinn is you know a been a baller and a guy that's been a pro bowler and been towards the top of the you know single seasons sack you know performance in, in certain years and all that. It, it it hits home. It does. And I was surprised too. The Bears, I mean, the way they're playing as of late, you look at it and go, They're kinda close. They like they might be able to make themselves into something some sort of ugly playoff team here. That's where I was a little surprised at first. And then also just surprised in the fact that, damn, the all star team in Philadelphia continues to grow. So it was really amazing. I mean it's amazing. It is. You know, I think the Bears have some young talent that they're comfortable with that they want to let them play, and the Eagles are going, wait, we're a Super Bowl team, and maybe the only weakness we have is that our front four, just when they rush themselves, is not scary. And now they become scary and more versatile and have greater depth and you know, just unbelievable job by the Eagles in their front office.
1: Quinn's been around since 2011. He was drafted by the Rams. In his third season, he had 19 sacks. All pro and obviously a pro bowler. Last year, he set the Bears franchise record. And when you think about Richard Dent, right, 18 and a half sacks for Quinn last year, the most that any Bears player's ever had in a full season. He played 16 games. I know it was the first 17-game season. He played 16 games, missed one. This year, one sack in seven games. I can't help but think that this isn't the Bears becoming trade deadline sellers. Because it does take some of the air out of the balloon of what they did on Monday night to the Patriots. Like, hey, they're just starting to find their groove. Why are they moving on from this guy? Well, there's a significant salary commitment this year, next year. I think they knew they were going to cut him after it, this year and not pay him what he was due to make. 100. So let's get something for him now. We can get a fourth round pick for him now. We can save some of the money that we're due to pay him anyway that we can't avoid now. Let's go ahead and get value uh, and move him to the Eagles and let the Eagles worry about the cap charge and the cash next year and the year after that, they're the ones who have to try to convince him to take less. And if they can't, they're going to have to cut him.
2: Yeah, no, I, I Mike, I think that's exactly the, there, there was talk in the off seasons about would they maybe trade Robert Quinn would they're so the, the, that I think is a very real part of this conversation. They realize again that, you know, they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They're to continue to fight. They're making moves to set themselves up for next year spending and getting some splash-type players on there. We've had that conversation a few times the last you know, few weeks. They're paying people that aren't even on the team still right now. So you know, I think it does go a long way to that, let alone they know, yes, there's some young guys coming up the ranks that they liked, especially number 91, Dominique Robinson. He's a really damn good football player. And then, yeah, the Eagles are going, wait, this, this can make sense for us. You're still good. You don't have to play every snap of the game. We got a lot of depth so you can be fresh and fly around. And it sets up to, hey, you have a good year and you finish strong here. You know, I don't know. Maybe we pay you your, what you're supposed to make. But more than likely, you know, we'll try to work something out where you t- make a little less and you'll want to be here because we're a winner and you got a chance to go to the Super Bowl and do all that. They're going to be able to sell that. But damn, between him, Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis on third downs, or now it's Quinn, you know, Quinn, Hassan Reddick, and then Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham inside when they want to do that on, on, on third down. I mean, they got so many different ways, you know, depending on who they play in the situation to where they can line up different guys and be a real pain in the ass on the defensive line. So uh, just – uh, it's amazing what the, the Eagles have done here, you know, over the last year to improve their football team.
1: First thing I thought of when they did this deal was the 2017 Eagles who won yeah, the Super Bowl. who right. had eight guys that they would rotate in and out all game long. Yeah. You talk about how defensive lines are overpowering offensive lines in today's NFL. I mean, the ideal offensive line is five guys who are on the field every week, all the time with maybe a swing tackle who comes in just from time to time to spell. But it's the same starters. It's the same crew. It's the same. The best defensive line is this revolving door of badasses who will just come out there and wear you down. And they're always fresh. And they're always ready to go. And they're always hungry. And they are going to come after you all game long. That was one of the reasons why the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017 with all the guys they had, and they still have two of them there in Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. The other names have changed, but this is the idea, I think, overpower opposing offensive lines with just the raw number of talented pass rushers who you can keep deploying over and over and over
2: again. I mean, that's right. I mean, I think when we look at a lot of you know, teams that have played through their defense, that's the one thing they've had in common, talent and depth to send waves at you. Whether it was the 20, you know 13 Seattle Seahawks, the 2015 Broncos, that Eagles team you're talking about there, you know the Steelers teams of some of the 2000s, the Giants that upset the Patriots, they all had that in common. Not only was it talent, you went, wait, when the starting four come out, the next four that come in are they're freaking good too. Like it's not like we can just go, oh. Let's take, you know, we we got a little rest period here. And and that's where, you know, that's what's amazing about the Eagles, let alone this isn't necessarily a team that we're just going, wait, it's like the Broncos or the Seahawks where we're going there playing through the defense. The offense is amazing too. That's where it's, it's amazing. You know, and, and I look at it and just go, this is a great move. Not only, I mean, we know what makes them better, but I also thought it's like, Man, you know, in the NFC, we're still waiting to see who, who's really good in the NFC. I mean, again, we know Philly's really good. I think you and I both question the Giants and the Vikings and how great it really is. You know, I think we look at Philly and Dallas and the 49ers as maybe being a team. But I also look at Philly with this move and go, you know what? This is going to help them if they do get to that big game in Arizona in the Super Bowl. And it's Mahomes and Josh Allen. You can't make a living blitz in those two. You're going to lose if you have to do that too much. And that's where it'll come in handy, too. This is, you know, really a big move and and a big Super Bowl type of move by the Eagles.
1: This is the kind of F them picks, icing on the cake, cherry on top move that a good team has to be willing to make if the opportunity arises. This is a luxury move by the Eagles. It's reminiscent of what the Rams did last year in getting Vaughn Miller. Not that Robert Quinn and Von Miller are in the same stratosphere right now, but Quinn did have eighteen and a half sacks.
2: That, I was going to say they're not that. It's not yeah. that crazy and far off. Don't yeah. be. The, the yeah. stats this year are a little misleading. He's come on here the last few weeks. He can still get off the ball and turn the corner. And he was a pain when, in the when, butt the other night. We saw that.
1: Hey, the the first photo that came up on our Getty Images service was him on the back of Mac Jones. Right. He was, even though he didn't get a sack yes. the other night. Yeah. You can you can affect the play. Sacks are misleading because. You get close a lot of times, and it's the act of getting close that creates the havoc, just ask Tom
2: Brady. Yeah, exactly. That, that That is it, and, you know, that's where it can be misleading. And, you know, again, a lot of teams with the Bears, because the Bears' offense hasn't been very good, they play conservative, too, on the offensive side of the ball. So it, it doesn't lend teams to, you know, dropping back 45 times a game. And no teams had to be in a shootout against them you know, here at all this year or anything like that. So that affects it too, uh, let alone it's, it's a new defense and a new system. There's a few things that are different there, but Quinn no question is going to be able to add value to that defense for sure. And uh, it's Howie Roseman, again, just has a, an incredible touch right now with the roster.
1: Yeah, when are the Bears ever going to have the kind of lead that allows a defense to, as say, pin the ears back. Right, pin right. the ears back makes no sense because you're wearing a helmet. Your ears are naturally pinned back all the time. Like, I never understood that one, but that's the, the word that gets used, the phrase that gets employed when you're in a position where you know the other side is going to pass. There's no guessing. Run or pass. Yes, right. It's just go get the quarterback, right. go get the quarterback, go get the quarterback. Who is the quarterback in New England? Bill Belichick with more gamesmanship – as he tries to keep quiet whatever it is that the Patriots plan to do. Have a listen to what he said yesterday on uh, the, the starting quarterback issue with New England Patriots. Bill, have you named the starting quarterback for this Sunday
0: yet? Uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes here today. Do you plan on having a quarterback rotation again? We'll see how it goes today. Is that something that would be... Look, we're not look, we're not doing anything here. We haven't practiced. We're gonna go out and we're gonna see how it goes today. All right. What we decide. We'll see how it goes today. But what do you have to see today? We'll see how it goes today. All right. Thank
1: you. Thank you. At least he's polite enough to say thank you. Thank you. Here's how it went. Thank you for letting me Chris. treat
2: you like a jerk. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Mac (laughs) Jones reportedly took about 90% of the first team reps in practice on Wednesday and will be the starter. He's off the injury report. This is more of the gamesmanship. He goes from being limited in practice last week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, listed as questionable, plays a quarter and some change of the second one on Monday night, and by Wednesday he's magically healed. He's off the injury report. He's fine. It's just something weird about that to me, but there's something weird about everything that's going on with the Patriots in their quarterback
2: position right now. Well, like, what I want to say is, like, who's he playing games with? Like, I, that's where right. I'm going to go, like, who, who's he playing games with right now as a guy that's sitting here? And, again, I don't know every detail, and I'm not in their building, but, damn, I'm obsessed with football and everything that goes on just like you. And I go, who is he playing games with other than his own team right now? I mean, that, that's where it feels weird. It's not like the offense is remarkably different with Zappy or Mac Jones. It's not. You know, Mac Jones, yes, I'm sure has a better grasp of the depths of the offense. Maybe they run a few more drop back pass concepts that they go, well, Mac in your two is a little more comfortable with some of these advanced plays as compared to Bailey Zappy. But I don't think it's so much to the Jets are like, oh, no, we got to. We got to scrap the Bailey Zappy game plan. It's Mac Jones this week. It changes everything. It's a white guy that drops back in the pocket and throws the ball. What are we going to do? It's the same guy, except Mac Jones is just a better version. So that's where I sit there and question and go, "What, what? You know, I just don't understand it. I don't understand what the benefit of it right now. And if he's taking all the reps and he looks like he's very close to 100% and he's the first team guy, why don't we give him the vote of confidence? Give your team the vote of confidence to go like, here's this instead of them wondering, wait, what the hell's going on? The quarterback's wondering what the hell's going on, and yeah, just adding to this, you know, mystery and adding fuel to the fire for guys like you and me can pick it apart and be like, what the hell is going on up there?
1: Well, and I still think it's rooted in whatever's going on between Mac Jones. It seems like check. it. It seems That's- like it's gotten
2: petty almost that way,
1: and. And, you know, we don't know what was said behind the scenes in the aftermath of Mac Jones being removed, not for performance reasons, even though the move happened right after an interception that didn't hit the ESPN Skycam cable, by the way. That was an unexpected controversy that came up out of nowhere. The interception thrown
2: by Mac Jones did not hit the cable. I don't even think it was within 10 feet of the cable. It's just uh, there's a camera angle that looks like, you know, people got to realize that that camera was like 20 feet behind the line of scrimmage. The wires don't hang out over the rest of the field. That's not how they work. So, yeah, that was like a weird thing yesterday. I saw that. So,
1: he gets removed at that point. Bailey Zappi finishes the game, even though Zappi struggles in the second half. If this is all rooted in Mac Jones insisting I'm healthy enough to play. I'm healthy enough to play. I'm healthy enough to play. That would explain him not even being on the injury report. Fine. He's, he- he's perfectly healthy. No more treatment. Ankle's fine. No more. You know, you, you want to go to wherever, the local TB12, and get treatment. Do it on your own. No more treatment because that's how you get on the injury report. He would have been fully participating in practice with an ankle if he was in the training room at all. That tells me. They didn't even put him in there for any treatment whatsoever on the ankle at this point if he's off the injury report. Unless, of course, they're lying about it, which is not impossible. But I I feel like right now the battleground between Jones and Belichick is whether and to what extent he's healthy. And Belichick is now taking the position, fine, you're healthy, and you'll be held to the standard of a guy who is fully healthy. And let's see what you can do against the Jets.
2: I, I, I guess so. So then why not just say, yeah, you're the starter and let 's go from there, and you know if you don't play well, then we know what the consequences are, but you know again to to make everybody think that you know oh, you might you know first off you're, the team questioning who 's going to play who's going to be the quarterback, you know the quarterback's not sure how it's going to go, not giving that vote of confidence publicly right so you you that that's annoying as a quarterback or as a player that is and uh, okay, so let's do that, and then judge me on my play instead of me wondering, like, you know, am I on a? Do you have an alternative motive? Am I on a short leash here? You know, just it's it's all weird. It it is, and and you know, last week I can understand maybe there is some tactical advantage to a degree. Oh, you know, you're getting ready to play the Patriots and Bailey Zappi, and you're it's going to be run oriented, and they're going to stick with the run. And maybe you hide Mac because you think, woo, we can throw him out there and you know, now they're gonna be like, oh, wait, maybe there's gonna be more of a passing attack. Maybe, but again, I don't think there's much of a difference here. And that's where I don't understand it. And that's where between the fact that I know there's friction there with, with Mac Jones and something like you're talking about and along the lines of Belichick and company, and then the way things are playing out, yeah, it it seems a little bit I don't know, personal right now, or there's games being played because of a, an issue that went on behind the scenes, not related to play on the football field. And, and that's where it just seems odd to me right now.
1: What we'll do next is take a break. When we return and uh, review, preview, preview is the word I'm looking for of week big eight, word. grab bag style. That's a big word. That's a tough one. Preview of week eight, grab bag style. When PFT live presented by Google pixel continues right after this.
2: Yeah, I man, I feel great, uh, ready to ready to roll. Um, you know, I'm super locked in, and ready to uh, hopefully get a big win in, in London. Obviously, uh, this would be a, a, a key game for us. It's a really good football team we're playing. I, I don't really get jet lag too often. You know, I don't I don't really, um, you know, I've traveled enough to to get you know kind of get my system down. But uh, yeah, for me, I was on the plane. First two hours, I was uh, first two hours about was it, eight hours flight here. So the first two hours, I was watching the film. Get, watching all the cutups and everything else, and then for the next four hours, I was doing treatment on the plane. I was walking up and down the aisles. Everybody was knocked out. I was doing high knees and working, on my, working on my legs and everything else. You know, making sure I'm ready to rock. Uh, so that was good. And then the last two hours, of, the last hour of that, I, I watched. I fell asleep for one hour, and I watched the film and the rest. So,
1: Russell Wilson letting us know what he did on the flight tonight. I'm sure the teammates were thrilled with Russell Wilson running up and down, doing high knees in the aisle while they're trying to get some rest. It's that Wolverine blood. He
2: gets no jet lag, Mike.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute, but why do you need to do the high knees if the Wolverine blood just kind of takes over (laughs) and naturally heals you? You don't need to do all that stuff. I haven't written about this yet, but there is something off here as it relates to – The effort to make sure everybody knows all about the injury. Yeah, right, right. right. Because then if you stink, that's your excuse. He's heroic. He tried to play through the injury. If you play well, you're a hero because you're like Willis Reed. You overcame the injury. And the Bill Parcells attitude toward this, which I'm sure your dad knows very well, is you just don't talk about this stuff at all because you don't want to do anything. And this was articulated last year by Scott Pioli, his son-in-law, and the former GM of the Chiefs and worked with the Patriots. If you, and this is the Parcells mindset, if you talk about it at all, you're separating yourself from the team. You're putting yourself above the team. And you're either saying, here's my excuse for not playing well, or here's why you should worship me even more because I overcame that injury. It's just not something that should be such a focal point and sometimes it organically becomes a focal point, Sure, but the player and his representatives should never be part of making it a focal point. And I guarantee you the fact that Russell Wilson has a partial tear of the hamstring was not leaked to reporters last weekend by the Broncos. That came from Russell Wilson's camp. A
2: hundred percent. I mean, it just seems like that and the lat injury there. It's all part of the, the damage control that's, you know, and 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 changing the perception or trying to, you know, fight what's being said out there by the Russell Wilson camp. And to your point, yeah, you know, b- b- people just, they don't want to hear it. Let alone, if it happens organically, it happens organically. That's right. But the way it's happened, certainly going to have people in the locker room wondering where you are, like, oh, damn, he's releasing that to make excuses and whatever else. And, you know, to to your point, too, With, like, the Parcells thing or whatever else. It's just, like, there's guys in that locker room who play middle linebacker and defensive tackle who, trust me, they don't feel like a spring chicken. They don't feel good right now. They're beat up. They're playing with a shoulder that's, like, half hanging on or, you know, a hamstring that's also got a slight tear in it or something. And they're they're not getting, you know, the excuse factor for them. Uh, So that's where it just – it's, again, part of the bylaws of – you know, the NFL locker room, don't make excuses. Can you play? Then shut up and play. And you were good enough to be out there and we don't want to hear about, oh, you had a little ding here and a little ding there and whatever else. And that's, you know, again, where Russell Wilson can rub people wrong the wrong way. And he's got to be careful about that, that it's always this public, you know, what do I want to say? Public, you know, Fight of of changing the 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 word out there on him or whatever the perception on him. Sorry, couldn't find the word. There's an
1: there's an earnestness to him. Mm. He's trying too hard. Yeah. Just yesterday, all smiles. Nobody with the Broncos should be all smiles right now. I don't care. Oh, we're we're playing a game in London. Who cares? You're two and five. Who cares where you're playing the game? Who cares that you're ambassadors for the Shield right now? You're two and five. There's nothing to be happy about. There's nothing to be smiling about. You're 2-5, and five, and you're staring at 2-6 and six against the Jaguars. Who knows? I mean, the Jaguars at one point were 2-1, and, and they were up 14 points over the Philadelphia Eagles, and this is not going to be an easy game for the Broncos. And really, but for the one drive that they managed to cobble together at the end of the Week 3 Sunday night game against the 49ers, they'd be
2: 1-6 right now. Yeah, I, I know. And, and again, that's, that's, they got issues on that side of the ball. They do. Russell Wilson's got to start playing better. Period. He's definitely the biggest issue with the team right now. And, you know, his play has added to everybody being scrutinized even more. And then, you know, let alone, yeah, he's had some people pile on him and all that. But I don't think he's helping himself out. I don't think he's even helping himself out right there with what he said there. You know, again, it seems gratuitous. It's, you know, hey, the rest of my team was zonked out, but I'm sitting there. I was working. I'm doing th- I'm doing high knees in the, in the aisle. Right. And all that. It, it's just like it's kind of breaking the man code where guys are just like, man, I guaranteed people in the locker room be like, man, I wish he Roll would just that. shut up yeah. and go play football. But throw a touchdown for us and then tell us about your high knees in the aisle of the plane. You know, there's a point here where you got to play if you want to be that good. Yeah, but that guy. I mean, you got to play good if you want to be that guy, you know, and, and when you're not playing good, nobody wants to hear that kind of crap. And that's that's where he's got to be careful a little bit. It kind of reminds me when he's telling
1: that about the guy who says, "Hey, I got a funny story for you." Well, w- when is a funny story ever followed that? "Hey, I got a funny story for you," and it's <laughs> yeah. something about me. It's something I did. <laughs> I- I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna tell you something I did so you'll be impressed by me. That had that vibe to it. Yeah, he didn't have to wedge all that in there. There wasn't a- a- an interrogation of. So Russell, what did you do for the first hour on the plane? Yeah. Hey, okay, what did you do for the second hour? On the plane. Well, tell us what you did now, or number three. He just launched into that talking about himself. And you're right.
2: Guys in the locker room. That ain't cool. I mean, it's not even cool. My Aunt Wendy's texting me right now. She's watching the show. She's going, like, really, Russell? That's what she's saying. <laughs> like, it's, it's, again, I think it's everybody going, like, hey. come on. Just hey. shut up and play here. Stop with the always the public, you know, trying to transform the conversation around you.
1: Rule of thumb if you've lost. Aunt
2: Wendy, yeah, you're in trouble. Lost, you've lost. Aunt, you've That's, lost. That's right, you're done. Hello, Aunt Wendy. <laughs> How are you?
1: Happy birthday, belated.
2: She's Aunt always Wendy. watching. Okay. Always watching.
1: Let's get into grab bag. Finally, after yeah. we've been told three or four times to get to the grab bag. Crystal ball. I hate to do this, but it's required at this time next week. Will Nathaniel Hackett be the Broncos'
2: head coach? I'm going to say yes. I surely hope so. I know it's not been perfect. But I hope they can stay the course here and and believe in what they researched and the diligence they had in the offseason. I know that. I know it hasn't been great. I get it. And I think, again, if the stuff in week one doesn't happen, I don't think we're here with, you know, 46 left hash. I, I think we're not even talking about it, even if they are, you know, two and five, you know. But that happened, and Russell Wilson looks like crap playing football. And for some reason, Nathaniel Hackett, to me, is being blamed a little too much for this. A little too much, in my opinion. You know, again, I know he's the head coach and he's responsible, but uh, Mike, you've heard me say, and I'm not one to stick up for any quarterback, or, or I don't play favorites. You know that. I think you've seen that. I've been critical of Aaron Rodgers plenty lately. Russell Wilson's, without question, problem number one on the Denver Broncos right now. And that's weird to say about a superstar quarterback. Yeah, their O-line is not great at pass-protecting. I get that. But Russell Wilson's play has been below average, not below his average, not below the quarterbacks in the top five or top ten of the league type average. It's been below NFL average by far. And that's where I hope that they can let cooler heads prevail here and let Nathaniel Hackett continue to work his magic and maybe see if he can get this thing righted.
1: And this isn't a matter, in my opinion, of cooler heads or emotional reaction. Yeah, yeah. This is just, we don't know what these billionaires who helped fuel the growth of Walmart and one of the most successful companies in the world, we don't know what they're going to do here. Have they already come to the conclusion that Nathaniel Hackett falls into the category of coordinators who become head coaches and then find out them and the rest of us? They're just not head coach material. There's only one way to find out. You have to go do the job. Yeah. Some guys are. Some guys aren't. And I think what hurts him is Matt Eberflus looking pretty good. Right. Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. Looking pretty good. Yeah. Brian Dayball. Yeah. Looking pretty great. Right. Right. And 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 I remember the Walmart people didn't buy this team until after Nathaniel Hackett was hired. That's until what's scary. After right. Russell Wilson was traded for. The only thing the Walmart people could have avoided was the contract. And they have to be kicking themselves for trusting George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm sure Nathaniel Hackett was on board with paying Russell Wilson. Like we've here's the we've we've been around him now for the offseason program, for training camp, and practices through the preseason, even though they kept him in bubble wrap in the preseason, and we've come to the conclusion that we should give this guy forty-six million a year. If I am Rob Walton, Greg Penner, or Kerry Walton Penner. I want to know right now who the the heck thought this was a good idea to give this guy the contract based upon what we were seeing. Surely there was something that we saw to make us think, you know what, Russ may not have it anymore. Maybe Russ can't cook. Maybe Russ has lost the recipe book. Like, how do you not see it? A sign of it. A glimmer of it. So my point is maybe at the end of the year they fire everybody. And buyouts aren't an issue for them. They've made enough money (laughs) in the time I've been saying this to finance every buyout they'd have to pay to move on from Nathaniel Hackett. And I'm telling you, George Payton's got to start being worried too about reset button. You know, the only thing that saves them is who's going to want to inherit this Russell Wilson mess. And the salary cap damage it would do if they tried to move on from Russell Wilson, if they decide that's the thing. Because like you said, he's the number one problem. Where were the safeguards, Chris, to determine that he was the problem and we shouldn't give this guy $46 million per I, 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 That's the question I, I'm asking right now if I'm
2: ownership. That, I mean, listen, it's a legit question. It's a legit question. I, I, I do get it. Um, you know, again, he was a very highly sought after commodity. He was, and I think, you know, the off season, the training camp, you can be fooled, you know. Hey, he's all over his details. He's working tirelessly. Yeah, he's practicing great. You know, we've infused all these plays, and we heard quarterbacks last week. Brett Ripon, I believe he even had a long comment saying last week that, like, you know, the offenses, it's a little of Russell Wilson, and it's some other things. They've taken Russell Wilson and what he wants to do and what he likes into account and infused it in this offense. So I think you can be fooled a little bit by the offseason training camp. And then you have week one. And then there's the pressure of, like you talked about, they traded all these assets away to get a guy that, you know, most teams wanted. But, but, it is crazy. Most? Well, most. you know. I right. yeah what do you mean most what yeah well I mean you said most teams wanted well most teams wanted him I mean anybody would have wanted him it wasn't like you know anybody that had a quarterback need where Russell Wilson was being thrown around in the conversation I know he didn't want to go you know to a lot of different places but I'm just saying you know I'm saying teams in football wanted would want him we all thought he was better than what he's doing right now right but I'll, I, I'll agree with that yeah and and what What is crazy, Mike, and what's even crazier, the situation, and I talked about this a long time on my podcast yesterday, it's hard to not watch Seattle right now and not not have the question of, well, shit, maybe it was Russell Wilson that was a little bit of the issue here. Maybe they did hide it. Maybe I was wrong and we were all wrong a little bit up there about what was going on. You know, may, maybe. It's hard not to think that when you watch Seattle film, And you see Geno throwing the ball all over the place and the offense is expanded. You know, I don't know if Seattle got to the point where they were like, wait, we got to expand the offense or we can't win games or do something here. Or if it was like, wait, Russell Wilson, he didn't like doing this stuff and Geno doesn't care. And here we go. So that that's, what's crazy. It's hard not to, I don't like to be that guy that does that, but damn, when you watch what Geno's doing in the Seattle offense right now, they're fun to watch and making plays everywhere.
1: Let's focus on that game quickly. Giants and Seahawks. Fill in the blank. The Seahawks will snap the Giants' winning streak if they what?
2: Continue to make big plays on the offense. That That's, to me, where they're dangerous right now. You know, the Giants, you know, again, I, I think they're a team. The, the, the game, low scoring, ugly, 20-17, 21-17, 17-14, that's in the realm of the Giants where they want to be. If this ends up being, whoa, there goes you know, Tyler Lockett, there goes uh, you know, Kenneth Walker and all that and becomes a little bit of a shootout, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that the Giants won't be able to hang that way.
1: The Seahawks probably have no appetite right now for the three-word slogans after the failure of Let Russ Cook, but I would say Let Ken Eat. Yeah. The more that we see from Kenneth Walker the mm-hmm. third, the more that he's doing I'm telling you the guy's Adrian Peterson, two thousand seven. The burst, the speed, the strength, the total package, the guy is amazing. And uh, again there's <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's good. They at least <laughs> they at least that picture a little bit of uh salty chargers fan with a double barreled. Middle finger homage to Bud Adams. Uh, but yeah, just keep feeding Kenneth Walker. He's, He's getting better and better every week, and I'm telling you, he could have a 200 yard game lurking here. That, well, that's really the part later. of the big
2: play. That's uh, yeah. The Giants are not very good against the run, and this guy's scary, uh, Mike. I, I I don't. I mean, Adrian Peterson is is like one of the greats of greats, but. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I've been saying in the last few weeks. I like Kenneth Walker is arguably already the best running back in football. He he has got it all. To to your point, he can like like Adrian Peterson. He can run you over. He can break your ankles, or he can you know go go you know three rockets up my ass and go seventy yards up the sideline and see you later. It's rare to see a running back have that type of combination. It really is. He's he's very special.
1: Last one. Very quickly, Yeah. what's more likely as the 3-4 49ers, losers of two in a row, take on the Rams in San Francisco's home away from home because it will be a red tide at SoFi Stadium as the 49ers fans take over. What's more likely, Rams offense doesn't score a touchdown at all or the Rams offense comes out firing on all cylinders as
2: they exit their bye week. Oh man, that's that those are tough decisions right there. Well, I mean if you're going to give me one of the two cuz that was very well worded there, I'm going to go firing on all cylinders, but I don't really think that's going to happen. I don't I don't I don't. I mean, I don't know if they're capable of firing at all cylinders, but I have a hard time thinking they won't score at least a touchdown on their bye week. Have played the 49ers already. Like, they're going to score a touchdown. So I want to say the truth lies in between those two statements there. But I don't have, like, much faith in the go, the Rams are going to turn this around and come out and show us, you know, what we saw at the end of last year. I don't see that.
1: I think the combination of the 49ers' desperation after losing two in a row, the mastery that Kyle Shanahan has shown of Sean McVay, the the extra time with Christian McCaffrey, guys getting healthier – I think it's more likely the Rams get shut down like we saw them get shut down on Monday night a few weeks ago. Let's take a break. When we return, Aaron Rodgers doubling down on the comments that he made on Tuesday regarding the criticism of teammates who are making too many minimal mistakes. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Uh, you know, it would seem like simple uh, mental errors. And, you know, I'm not a robot up here.
2: So I think people in this uh, society have a hard time hearing the truth sometimes. And I do do it privately. I'm not saying anything on path that I'm not saying to those guys. So, you know,
0: maybe that's uh, have, you know talking about a conversation that's behind closed doors in public. But, you know, the level of accountability is the standard here. And, Again, I don't think it's, it should be a problem to any of those guys uh, to to hear criticism. But nobody's come to me and said, I got a problem with what you said. I think everybody knows, uh, Matt included, uh, that you know, everything's got to take a little uptick, get a little better.
2: We have to be truthful with one another, and sometimes the truth hurts, and it's no different than... Uh, you know, when your your kids make a
0: mistake, right? You tell them about it.
1: There was a lot more said by both Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur yesterday. LaFleur spoke first, Chris, and LaFleur was committed to not making this a thing. His attitude was Aaron Rodgers has every right yeah. to say what he said. Right. He didn't call anyone out by name. Right. It never got back around to the point that I made yesterday, and I think you agreed with me, that Aaron Rodgers was necessarily calling out Matt LaFleur by complaining about, number one, guys are making mistakes 20% of the time, mental mistakes, and number two, those guys should be benched because it's Matt LaFleur who has to be assessing those situations, making those decisions, and taking those actions. LaFleur steered clear of that, and no one asked him about that point blank, had a couple of questions that that kind of got around the edges of the idea that it undermines LaFleur, but it didn't really get there. And then came Rogers later, and Rogers was unapologetic, unrepentant. He had the line that a lot of people are dragging him for, some people in this society can't handle the truth. That was just one little snippet of the things he said, but his attitude was, I said what I said, I don't regret it at all, and... Guys need to hear criticism if they're ever going to improve. That's what he had to say yesterday in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, it, it, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't. I just think, you know, and one, it's great to hear that, you know, again, these are things that he's obviously has said there in the locker room, said to these players. I just think there's – I think, what you know, the thing that, that rubs me the wrong way or I just go there's – I think the different tactical ways maybe to go about it than than the way he did. And then, you know, again – it does become an issue. Now, again, maybe he's being tactical in the fact that he thinks he needs to air these things out, and that's what gets changed there in Green Bay. And we have seen that before, and you brought that up yesterday. So maybe that's what it's all about. Maybe that's why he does this. But, you know, at the same time, it, it doesn't make him look good that way. And it does put pressure on the situation as far as the head coach and the leadership there. And, you know, it, it, it's it's – you know, again, I'm not a, I'm not above the criticism or hey, we need to play better or we're making too many mistakes. But I think he got, you know, into specifics and then started talking about benching people and all of that as well. To where that's where it comes off sounding funny to people and, and maybe a little bit of a, a distraction as rather than a you know team building exercise.
1: And that's where it becomes odd. You're talking about benching guys that are making mistakes, and they asked him yesterday if he had specific players in mind. They didn't ask him to name names. They just said, do you have specific players in mind? He says, not necessarily. We've just got to put our best 11 on the field. So he does have specific players in mind because he believes the best 11 aren't on the field. He's just trying to avoid saying the names publicly, and that seems to be the line that, that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers will respect. You can say all this stuff as long as you don't say anyone's names. Well, I don't I don't know that I agree with that. I think that everything that he said is something that should be said privately, that that's the kind of thing that no organization should take public. I just don't think that it's helpful to the cause to have Aaron Rodgers saying those things publicly. He should be saying it probably. At one point he acknowledged, well, you know, if you're talking about private conversations that I decided to share with the public. He almost agreed that maybe there's something wrong with that, but he's not wired Chris to, to come out there and say he was wrong to say what he said. He got a little too casual in his safe space on Tuesday. And maybe he said something he shouldn't have said. He's just not, he's not a guy who's ever going to admit that maybe he made a mistake.
2: No, he's not. And and like we said yesterday, I don't know if he necessarily cares anymore about what people think of him. He's, you know, In a comfortable spot. And the fact that, you know, his contract he's set up there for the next two years or three years. So he can do kind of whatever he wants there. And yeah, he's, he's not happy. You know, he's not happy because he's got some young receivers and not that much talent at that position. As far as guys he can depend on on a week to week basis here. And he wants to get those things done. I, I understand, you know, all of that, but, um, yeah, it's just again, I don't think it, I don't think it does any positives to what he did there. But but maybe I'm wrong. You know, again, we've seen him do this before and it worked out the right way for him and his football team. So I, um, you know, I did, that's we'll see. We'll see what they look like. But I just think it's odd, and it becomes a little bit all about him again. And yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the best way to lead a football team or players. I don't think it's going to get the guys in the locker room to love you that way. You know, yeah, they're not going to say anything to you. Your face, you're Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, if they say something to you that might make you mad, and then you don't want them to play, and you do say something to the head coach, or, you know, you do hold a grudge that way. So. You know, that that's, uh, doesn't really mean anything either that nobody came up to him. I don't think some of those young rookie receivers who are making mistakes are going to be the type of guys at this point of their career to come up to him and address that. They're not. They're scared of him. He's the king to them, so they're not going to mess with him. Okay, I got to get better. But they might not necessarily like it, or it might not have given them the confidence they need at this point either.
1: Yeah, that was another one of his quotes. You know, if one of those guys has a problem with it, I'm right here. Okay. Uh, Yeah, he's Aaron Rodgers. And these are guys who are still wet behind the ears trying to figure out where they are. And clearly, they're not smart enough to play on an NFL field in the assessment of the great and powerful Aaron Rodgers. So the last thing they're going to do is tip down the hallway to have a conversation with the Wizard of Oz. They're not going to do that. They're afraid of him. And stuff like this will reinforce their fear. One more on that point. He was asked what it will take to eliminate the mental mistakes. And he said time. And he doesn't mean the passage of time. He means putting in the time. We have a schedule. We're creatures of habits. But when we leave this place, we've got to be making sure we're doing the right thing when we're home. Yeah. I thought of some you of when that's I read watching this. Watching film. Yeah. Some of that studying the plan. Some of that studying ourselves, but we've got to make sure we're ready to go. Every single day. We step in the building says the guy who skips out on the entire yeah, off season program. I knew you were who go doesn't there. gather his receivers wherever he yeah. may be to To get comfortable. He was talking about, well, you know, you know how they run the routes. Well, that's why they spend all that time together in the offseason. So you're not figuring this shit out on the fly in late October. I mean, talk about irony and hypocrisy. He's calling guys out for not putting in enough work when he ghosts the entire franchise from February until late July, but for a cameo appearance at the mandatory minicamp. Are you freaking kidding me?
2: I I, I I hear Sorry. you there. I, I, can't there. I can't stick up for him there. I can't stick up for him. I can't. You know, and again, I always say Green Bay made this animal. This is what they do there. They make their quarterbacks kings and they went, took the crown off Favre and then went to Aaron Rodgers and you're the king. So that's why it's a little different there. And then there's no owner like we talked about. But yeah, hey. Mike, I, when I read that, I thought of you right away. I went, oh, well, cue Mike saying he wasn't at OTAs and you would have had a lot more time. And, you know, I, I can't even help with some of this stuff, too, to go. It just what's crossed my mind, and this is going to be snarky a little bit. But, like, I wonder how Sammy Watkins feels about that uh, Aaron Rodgers on another level than Patrick Mahomes' comment right now. I wonder how he feels about that because it, it sure don't look like that to me. It looks like some other guy in red and wearing one and five is on another level, another level. Uh, but I just I don't know. All those crazy things are going to my head right now because the Packers are kind of annoying with their talk and all that.
1: We could carry this topic up until the end of the show, but if we do, we'll be in trouble. We have to take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this.
0: Being, being from Houston, uh, how do you deal with the, with the World Series personally? Uh, in your situation, now, I'm sure it's kind of—I would think it's kind of difficult. For you. Yeah, I mean, I'm—I'm I'm, Houston-born and raised. Um, I love my city, um, and I'm—you know it's my hometown. But my home now is Philly. You know, and I love this city too. Um, that's how I deal with it. They're gonna—they're gonna go out there and play, um, and that's what it's gonna be. You know. <laughs>
1: Jalen Hurts in a tough spot as the Astros and the Phillies get together for the World Series. I don't even know if it's started yet. Has it started?
2: I, no, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Right. starts tomorrow. Yes.
1: I'm sorry. I'm the sorry. The Yankees
2: lost, so I just stopped caring, too. I'm, hey,
1: I'm, well, the Pirates yeah. lost in 1992, and I stopped caring. Yeah, we know. So we know. So here we are 30 years later. All right, matchup draft. Week eight, Chris. Give me – and again, it's as wide – and as broad as you want it to be, give me a matchup that has you excited this weekend.
2: I'm a little excited about this. Justin Fields versus the Cowboys defense. I mean, the Cowboys defensive front. I am. I mean, one, because of what we saw from the Bears the other night with the quarterback design runs. The fact that there were so many of them infused to the game plan, they go, oh, wait, it, this is, looks like it's going to be a real part of the offense moving forward. Not just like, hey, we do it once or twice a game. And I think it changes their team. They're a pretty dominant running football team, you know, and this will be tough on the Cowboys. You like to put a lot of people at the line of scrimmage and create chaos and confusion. And now, you know, when you take those opportunities, Mike, as you know, and you got that many people in the line of scrimmage, it just takes like one missed tackle or one missed assignment. And all of a sudden, Justin Fields has got nobody around and he's running for a 40-yard gain. So... Uh, I'm excited to see how the Cowboys defend him in this run game and to see if Justin Fields and the the Bears' offense can continue to expand kind of what they did last week.
1: And we just showed you what Michael Parsons is capable of doing down the field if he needs to chase down Justin Fields. I'm not sure that he's fast enough to chase down Justin Fields, but I guarantee you he will give everything that he has to try to catch him if Fields gets past the first level of the defense. Here's one that jumps out to me even though it involves a one-win Lions team to me this is the ultimate culture clash that you could ever have in football Mike McDaniel versus Dan Campbell Campbell this big rough and tough former player with an old-school mindset I don't know how much scheming is going on in Detroit I don't know how advanced they are with any analytics or any high-end study and how they can exploit the weaknesses. This is just, we're going to beat the hell out of you if we can. Versus Mike McDaniel, the bookish, kind of cool, nerdy, you know, he'll have, he'll be running. And it's just, it's, I don't expect the Lions to do much here. I think this is going to be a stark example of how new age football can completely turn old school football on its head, Chris. That I'm just fascinated to see what the Dolphins are able to do to the Lions because I have a feeling it's going to potentially get ugly.
2: Well, it it is it is interesting. I, I think the clash of the the people, the, the 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 two coaches, like you're talking about. I mean, yeah, one's a rough and tumble, you know, meatheadish. Head coach and the other guy's a nerd from Yale, you know, to have fun with it, and and the meathead, you know, ex-tight end guy looks like he can do you know dumbbell curls with Mike McDaniel in one arm. <laughs> I mean, so that's where it just. And then you're right, the philosophies are a little different and all that, but you know, also I I wouldn't be shocked if we saw points in this game and and some big plays, and we know that the Lions are capable of that uh certainly so we'll, we'll see well
1: yeah. they used to be they used, they used to be, to be. They right. had 140 points the first four games they've got six in the last two total of six in the last two yeah not or, not or good
2: yeah. not good um so yeah but, but uh I hear you that that'll be interesting to watch and like their pre-game interaction will be kind of funny to watch and get a glimpse of that uh I'm gonna go to the Raiders Saints I'm gonna go McDaniels versus Dennis Allen uh that that's one I'm I'm pumped to see one because I think the Raiders are a team that's kind of close and I'd say like watch out for them a little bit. You know, I know we've discussed this. Their schedule sets up, but their offense has become a real juggernaut here as of late. I mean, they're kind of unstoppable. They really are run game and pass game. They got it going. You know, and and I'm excited to see if they can keep that going and Dennis Allen and the the Saints on the other hand are a team that you know, is underperforming and letting up a lot of big plays week in, week out. So can they right the ship? This is a big game for the for both of these football teams. I'm not going to say it's like an it might be an elimination game for the Saints. If they go two and six, they're done, right? And honestly, I think if the Raiders go two and five, they probably are done too in the AFC. So that's. I where- don't know the- yeah. I don't
1: know if the two and six means you're done in the NFC. NFC, South you're this right. Year. You're
2: right. You're right. That doesn't mean it probably doesn't mean you're done, but it's it's either way. They're they're flirting with danger, that's for sure.
1: All right. Hey, this one, uh, Kyler Murray versus Kyler Murray, because this is the week that the full Call of Duty game is available. Not just the story mode, which was the last week, which is not the one that would be the <laughs> distraction. This is the uh, unlimited multiplayer. I'm just telling you, and hey, the Cardinals haven't sent it here. They haven't won in Minnesota since 1977. Wow! And the Vikings with the full two weeks to get ready, the Cardinals with a little extra time. Uh, You got the Kevin O'Connell-Cliff Kingsbury battle. But, yeah, how locked in is Kyler Murray this week? Is he able to avoid the distraction of Call of Duty? And it's a thing. The Cardinals made it a thing, so it's not going to go away that easily, especially with the Cardinals under 500. let Let's take a break. We'll do round three of the Week 8 matchup draft when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, here we are. PFC Live presented by Google Pixel. Final round of the matchup draft for week eight. Christopher, what do you have?
2: I think I'm going to go to the G-Men and the Seahawks, and specifically Kenneth Walker versus that Giants defensive front. Giants' run defense has not been very good. We saw Travis Etienne rip off some big plays, right, last week. We saw the Ravens and Kenyon Drake, you know, rip off some huge plays against that defense. Right. And the Giants, even though they are not good against the run, pretty good against the pass, and very stingy about letting you score a touchdown. My thing is this is different than the last two weeks with Kenyon Drake and, and, and last week of at ATN. Kenneth Walker gets out in the open, it's going to be a touchdown. They're going to score. He's going to score. He's got another gear that even ETN and, and the guys in the Ravens don't have. So that'll be interesting to watch that and to see if they can kind of contain him and slow that aspect of the Seahawks offense down.
1: I can't believe that you that, overlooked the matchup of two of your all-time favorites. Right. Well, it's your not that blue. <laughs>
2: Not that great Against, right now. <laughs> well,
1: I know, but you know what? You know what? Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a test. You've got is. Aaron Rodgers talking about how ooh, they're embracing the underdog role. Yeah. You can embrace it all you want. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And th- this, this could be changing the guards, statement game, ass whipping by the Bills. And if the Packers have anything at all, if they have any hope, if they have any pride, if they have any chance this year they got to dig deep and find a way to make this game close. I'm not saying win. Just make it not 45-10, to Chris.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you. The guard has changed, okay? We know that. There's a new sheriff in town. His name's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, can Green Bay hang in there, right, and make the game ugly and close? I don't know. That'll be something to watch for on Sunday night.
1: All right, we'll be watching that and plenty more. See you tomorrow morning with another edition of PFT Live.
2: See ya.